Come on and get hope. Ah, I got to calm down just a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a little hot right now. I'm a little hype. I'm a little hype right now. Uh, first of all, let me say thank you to Pastor Cofield for this opportunity in his absence to preach, um, to minister the word of God to you. It's been a little bit. I hadn't done this since before COVID. Uh, it's good to be back. <laughs> good to be back. Let's go to God in prayer. Let's go to God. The God, our Father. Lord, we thank you. Lord, Father, we love you. Uh, you deserve all of it. God, I'm asking right now that you would bless this house. Bless those that are sitting here. Let us see you in a way that we never have before. Let us move in a way that we should have before. Let us respond to you in a way that honors you and pleases you. Father, hide me behind the cross. You get the glory. You get the praise. Let your word go forth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, February 14th is coming up in two days. Valentine's Day, happening in a minute. One of the biggest economic booms every year that takes place in this country. They say this year there is an estimate of $26 billion that will be spent on Valentine's Day. Yeah, plans have been made. Flowers have been ordered. Gifts have been bought. Somebody for Valentine's Day is going to be amazed, going to be overwhelmed, going to be overjoyed by the outpouring of love that they receive on that day. And somebody else just going to be real mad. Yeah, somebody going to mess this thing up. You know it. Now, the mad people, it's not necessarily because of the gift that they receive. It's more of the message that is displayed by the gift. The message that will come from the gift that they're upset with is something like, you don't love me. You don't love me like I desire. Or even more accurately, you don't love me like I deserve. Now, men and women sit on two different sides of the coin when we mess this thing up. Fellas, I'm going to get you back for a minute in case y'all get in trouble on Tuesday. For the fellas, when we miss out on the gift, when we don't give it right, when we mess that thing up completely, it's the half the time just because we don't know no better. Some of this stuff, we, hey, we, we kind of simple. We ain't that deep. We ain't that smart, for real. So... Gift go wrong, we looking like, my bad. I didn't know. Now, ladies, y'all in a whole different category. When y'all don't do it right, when y'all don't show love like somebody else deserves, typically it's on purpose. Let's just gonna be honest right quick. Y'all are real sentimental. Y'all know the ulterior motive to every single thing that ever takes place in life. So typically, if y'all don't do it, it's something like, he ain't deserve all of that from me. You got the neck roll. You got the air grab going. He, I knew what he wanted. He ain't getting all Yeah, Yeah, whole different category. Whole different category. Now, for whatever side of the coin you sit on this, we're laughing about it. We're joking about it right now. But the truth is, when someone feels unloved, leaves a cut, leaves a mark, leaves a scar. If a kid feels unloved, they will grow up for the rest of their life, possibly searching for the love they never got at home. And many times they will do some detrimental things to their own lives just trying to get that love. At some point in our lives, each of us in the room have felt the cut of not being loved like we felt like we deserved. 
And it hurts regardless of where it came from. Friend, family, significant other, doesn't matter. But if we go a little bit more into the truth, all of us in the room, even though we felt it, we've dealt it to somebody else too. Some point in time, we've been guilty of not showing somebody else the love that they felt like they deserved as well. Now, you got your reasons. You got your reasons. Maybe you were going through a whole lot at that point in your life and you just didn't see what they needed from you. Hey, you had your own issues going on. Hey, I just didn't know them that well. Whatever the reason is, I'm not mad at you. You got justification. But I got to tell you, there is one someone in particular that all of us in this room have failed to show love like they deserve. And we got no justification for doing it. There is one someone in particular that's probably been left off your Valentine's Day list. And this is not the first time you've neglected them. There is one, someone, that we have failed to properly show love to in a way that they desire and deserve, and that someone that I'm talking about is God. We have failed to show love to God like he deserves, but this needs to stop, this needs to change today. So for a few moments... We're going to discuss the thought, how to love God like he deserves. How to love God like he deserves. Now, in discussing how to love God like he deserves, the question comes up, how does God deserve to be loved? I'm so glad you asked that question. The answer is found in Mark 12 and 30, which will be our focus verse for today. The scripture says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Now, a little background on the scripture. This is Jesus talking. What happens is Jesus is doing his thing. He's on tour. And somebody asks Jesus, what are the greatest commandments? And he says, okay, there are two. The first one is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is the like is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if we break this down, first of all, let's dig into that word love. In our English language, you, we use love kind of interchangeably. But love comes in many different forms. If we look at the Greek from back in the day, we got the word eros. Eros speaks of romantic love, man-woman love, the love that we celebrate on Valentine's Day for the most part. You also got philia, which is brotherly love or the love from one friend to another. You also have storge, which is family love. More specifically, it is denoted by the love that a parent has for a child. But the love that God is talking about here in this scripture is something called agape. This is a transcendent form of love. This is a sacrificial love. This is an unconditional love that goes from me to you in spite of what I get from you back to me. And this is the type of love that God is telling us to have for himself. This is also the type of love that God has for us. Now, why would God have to tell us how to love him? Because the truth is we'd mess it up otherwise. Let's be real, y'all. We love with conditions. We love up to a certain limit. There's a cutoff point. We're good as long as you don't do this. That's how we are. God says, don't love me like that. Love me like I love you. Now, four parts of this scripture that we're talking about. God says, love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. These essentially are the four parts that make up you. These are the, the four parts of our being. First part here, love the Lord your God with all your heart. He's talking about your emotions, your feelings, your passion. You definitely should have strong feelings 
toward the Lord your God. That's a given. But the second part of this, love the Lord your God with all your mind. This is your thoughts, your mental focus, your consciousness, your intelligence. Years ago in the gym, there was a guy that I met, and we used to talk every now and again when I saw him. We had a conversation one day, and he told me that he loved God, but he had a problem with Christians, which don't make no sense. But this is what he said. And he told me the reason why he had a problem with Christians is because he felt like when Christians name the name of Christ, they leave all their mental faculties and critical thinking skills behind. I'm assuming there was an example that he had for making him feel like that, but that is not what God ever said. You are not to leave your brain at the door and just give him your heart. No, your brain comes with it. At some point in time when love is love, there has to be a co-signing of your brain that goes along with your heart. Your heart may be in it, but if your brain is saying, hold up, it ain't going nowhere. So your mind has to come with it. God is not telling you leave your brain out of the equation. He's telling you to love him with all of it. Further scripture actually says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Bring your mind to the party. Now, next part of this. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. With all your soul. This is the innermost eternal part of your being. I think all of us in the room, it's kind of morbid to think about it, but it's going to happen. All of us know that our bodies are going to stop working one day. But our soul will exist forever in one of two different places. You will exist either with forever, for all time, with God, or you will exist in some other place apart from God. That's the reality. So essentially, when God is saying, love me with all your soul, what he's saying is, don't just love me for a certain length of time. Don't just love me for your lifetime, but love me for all time. Now, the last part of this, love the Lord your God with all of your strength. This is where effort comes in. Some physical things that you're going to do, some actions that you're going to put behind it. Now, this is not new to the concept of love. Anybody that's been telling you they love you, eventually you're like, okay, I got enough lip service, but prove it. Do some stuff to show me you love me. And this is the part that we're going to dig into today. Now, three actions that you can take to show God love. First one, first action, personalize God. Personalize God. Now, this has to happen intentionally because it got messed up a long time ago. When God created Adam and Eve in the garden, there was an up-close and personal no barriers between us, no boundaries for love type of interaction that was going on. And with the fall of man, everything changed. If we look at Genesis 1 and 25, the scripture says the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. The thing that I think about when I hear that, when I read that, is a two-year-old that just jumped out the tub running through their house. They don't care. Everybody in this house loves me. We're good. I'm going to do my thing. That's the concept I get when we're talking about Adam and Eve. There was nothing between them and God. But when the fall took place, the first thing they did was went and hid in shame. And when God asked, where, where were they? They said, we're over here because we're naked. He's like, Who told you you were naked? You've been naked the whole time. Why is that a problem now? Sin brought that rift. So, if we go through human history up until 
Jesus. Jesus' gift on the cross, Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus' resurrection actually gave us access to that up close and personal type of relationship with God again. If we look at scripture, Mark 15, 37 through 38, this says, And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last breath. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. What that veil was all about. Jesus is dying on the cross. This is very symbolic. Because the temple of God, which is the place that you went to worship God, there were certain areas in the temple that regular people couldn't go into. Certain folks could go certain places. But there was a place called the holiest of holies. And only the high priest once a year could go back there. Now, he had to consecrate himself before he could go. But there was a thick veil. That was a separation. That was a cutoff. You only going to go so far. When Jesus dies and that veil gets torn in two, it's like an invitation. God is saying, come on back now. Let's be close. Let's be personal. No boundaries. We don't need that stuff between us no more. Come on back in. Now. God has already made the first move for you if you're a Christian with Jesus on the cross. Now, you have to make your move in response. So how do you get up close and personal with him? First thing, read the word. Read the word. Read the Bible. This is what it looks like. I'll make sure y'all catch that. Bible is a real thing. Scripture, John 1 and 1 says, in the beginning, was the word the word was with God and the word was God Jesus is the word of God incarnate the Bible is the word of God written this is the word of God in this word you will discover the character of God in this word you will discover the history between man and God in this word you will discover the love of God Does anybody in this room journal or have a diary? If you do, and somebody picked it up and read it, they would learn a whole lot about you. Possibly some stuff you didn't even want them to know. The Bible, in a lot of ways, is God's love letter, God's diary, God's journal. If you pick it up and read it, you will learn so many intimate details about who he is. So, first thing, read the word. Second thing, pray. Second thing is pray. Prayer is communication between you and God. It is you talking to God, and it's also him talking back. Now, scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, it actually says, pray without ceasing. For most of you in the room, you've heard that scripture before, but what that literally means is, don't stop praying. Keep it going. Do it all the time. Do it in the shower. Do it in the car. Do it when you're in front of people that's getting on your nerves. Pray without ceasing. Now, I think we are all familiar with the concept of speaking to God, but the hearing back sometimes gets a little cloudy. There is a wavelength that you have to tune into to hear from God. For me personally, whenever I tell somebody I heard God say or God told me, I don't hear a voice. There's not an audible voice I'm getting, but typically there's a conversation that's going on in my head. The other voice sounds just like me, but they saying some stuff I would never come up with. Like, whoa, 
That's kind of scary. That's really, really sacrificial. I know I didn't make that thing up. Another thing to help you understand when the word, when God is speaking, is reading that word. Sometimes the things you said out of your mouth, you'll get the answer back in this Bible. And another thing is, when you feel God leading you somewhere, if you feel like God is telling you something, whatever you feel will never contradict what's written in his word. It's always going to go together. Always going together. So if you feel like you're supposed to do something, but the Bible say, no, that ain't God. That's just you. Amen. Let's keep going. Now, with the concept of personalizing God, you got to make him yours. Now, we're not really, really far off in our concept of personalizing things. Um, When you were back in high school and you had a notebook, chances are you personalized it. You put your name on it. You drew your little pictures on it. If you had a locker in school, you probably did the exact same thing. You had some stuff in there, a mirror, some beads, whatever. It was yours. You made it personal. Now, I am married. I got a beautiful wife sitting over there. I know he made you do it already, but stand up again, baby. Stand up again, baby, so they can see you. That's my woman right there. That's my woman. Now, I have done some things specifically to personalize that woman. Number one, she got my last name. And I don't play with that last name. When she was getting all her paperwork done and switching stuff, I was like, baby, you changed your last name yet? I didn't gave you that thing. You're going to use that now. I was kind of adamant when other folk was calling her the wrong last name. Hey, 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 that ain't her last name no more. Her last name is Whitaker. Get it right. That woman also wears my ring. That ring costs a little bit. She better wear it. She does. (laughs) Another thing that I've done to personalize that woman is I have given her a specific nickname. Now, I'm going to give you the short form of the nickname because if I tell you the whole thing, she's going to be real embarrassed. You ever seen a brown woman turn red? I ain't going to do it like that right now. But I call her Pooh. Her name is Tony, but if she's standing next to me, I say I'd rarely call her Tony. I think if I call her Tony, she'd think I'm mad at her. I call her Pooh. Because that's my woman right there. Now, it is a different concept when you use the personal possessive pronoun, my, or your. It's a difference between saying she is a wife and she is my wife. Whole different ballgame because she's my wife. It's a different concept when you're saying That's somebody's mama versus that's my mama. When y'all was playing the dozens back in the day and folks cracking all them mama jokes, it's all funny games till they get to your mama. (laughs) Yeah, it's real funny you talking about somebody. Hey, 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 man. It's my mama you talking about. Yeah, it changes everything. Same concept with God. It's a different story when you say he is the Lord of all versus he is your Lord of all. Different story when he's the king of everything versus he is my king of everything. Personalize God. Number two, second action. Second action is prioritize God. Second action is prioritize God. Definition of the word prioritize. To place at a level of higher or highest importance. 
This is what we should do with God. This is what he has asked us to do. Old Testament, straight out the gate, first of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt have no other gods before me. If we look at further scripture, Matthew 6 and 33, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus is teaching about worrying, telling people, don't worry. You should not worry. God knows that you need food. God knows you need water. He knows you need shelter. But what I'm telling you to do is seek first his kingdom, and he'll give you the rest of that stuff. He ain't clueless as to what you need. If we go even further here, if we go even further in the scripture, let's look at Exodus 23 and 19. Now, if you got a pen, I'm going to have you circle some stuff. Let's read this all out loud together. Bring the best. Stop and circle best. Circle best. Bring the best of the first fruits. Circle first. Now, let's read the whole thing. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. God wants top billing in your life. God wants the number one spot. He wants first dibs on everything that you possess, not the leftovers. He wants first dibs on your time. He wants first dibs on your money. He wants first dibs on your talents and your abilities because he deserves it. You have to prioritize God. Now, typically, whatever is your priority right now, we can see it. But how you spend certain things. What has top place in your life right now, you spend your money on. What has top place in your life right now, you spend your time on. Whatever has top place in your life right now, you spend your energy on. You already have some priorities. The question is just, are they God? Now, typically, whatever is your priority, you let nothing else bump in and take its place. If your image is your priority, you're going to go shopping. Let's be real. If your job is your priority, you're going to do your 40 hours plus without being asked. If your kids are your priority, you're going to do whatever you got to do to make sure that they have what they need. We already know how to prioritize. Let me tell you, something in my history that was not prioritized for a real long time was uh, relationships. It's relationships. So I'm a chiropractor. Those you didn't know, some of y'all know, some of y'all don't. Um, what that means is I take care of the spine to affect your health so that your body can function like God intended. Y'all didn't know it was that deep, did you? Yeah, had to share that. Now, if you need some more insight about that later on, ask my mama. She's my number one marketer. She got some business cards over there. I think my office assistant is up in here somewhere. I think she came today. But for a long time, I was in school, y'all. After high school, four years of college. After that, four years of professional school, just trying to get this doctor thing down. So relationships just wasn't that high on the list because school was my priority. So if I was dating somebody, I'd typically tell them that up front, like, hey, I'm in school. I see you when I see you. If you can handle this, cool. If you can't, I understand. I'm not mad at you. Just move on and do your thing. But after I graduated and I was out for a little bit, for the first time in my life, I decided I was going to prioritize a relationship. Met a woman who I thought was just everything. And I went all in, y'all. I went gaga. I went head over heels. Whatever you want to call it, I was there. I gave her access to my schedule. She could change it. 
If I'm doing something, you feel like you need some time, baby, let me know. I'll try to make it happen. I gave her access to my money. I spent money in a way I never did before. It was kind of foolish in hindsight, but I did it. (laughs) Took a while to climb out of that hole. I gave her access to my heart in some ways that I had never, ever, ever done before. I even distanced myself from a real good friend of mine that I was cool with before I met her. But she didn't like the friend, so like, hey, we can't be cool no more. Did all of that. Went all the way in. And over the course of time, I realized she didn't love me like I loved her. She wasn't returning that effort. She wasn't returning that love back to me like I was giving it. And that thing hurt. And that relationship eventually ended. And after it ended, y'all, I was tore up. I'm crying. I'm depressed. I'm dejected. I got all these emotions I ain't never had before. I'm going through it, y'all. And one day I'm at home crying out to God, crying out to God. God, I can't believe this. This is so hurtful. The first time I tried it, it goes like this. Lord, why she didn't love me like I loved her? God, why she didn't give back to me like I gave to her? You know what God's response to me was? Welcome to my world. Yeah. Because you have done the same thing to me over and over again. I have loved you with everything that I have. I have spared no expense in showing you how much you mean to me. And you have never bothered to share that same kind of love back to me. And I'll tell you what's worse. I'm going to tell you what's worse. What God said was, you committed to her in a way you've never tried to commit to me. God said, it ain't that you can't commit like that. You just did it. It's just that you won't commit like that. Y'all, I couldn't argue with that. He was right. I was wrong. I had to ball up on the floor and just cry it out. Because the truth is, what I realized at that moment, if I had only experienced a small taste of what I had done to God over and over again, I had only experienced a small taste of what God goes through with each and every one of us on a regular basis. So, we have to prioritize God. Now, the third point here, point number three, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let's establish a fact straight off the bat. God deserves to be praised. If you want to talk in general terms, let's do that. Who is it? He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He's the one who was and is and is to come. He is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. We're talking about God right now. Don't play with it now. Don't play with it. Now, in different visions of God in the Bible, we see God on his throne, representation of God on his throne, and praise is going on. If we look back in the book of Isaiah, 
as a vision that Isaiah had when God actually visited him on earth. And as he saw the throne, he saw everything around it, he saw some creatures that were there just consistently and totally engaged in praising God, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. If we look at Revelations 4 and 8, which is on your outline, what this is talking about is John's revelation when he was caught up to heaven. He goes to heaven and sees basically the exact same picture. God on his throne being praised. Scripture says each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. God's going to get praised. Jesus confirmed it. Luke 19 and 40. Jesus is on his way back into Jerusalem. There's a big hoopla taking place at the time. People laying down palm branches, laying down their clothing so his animal's foot won't touch the ground. And the people who are following Jesus are shouting out loud, giving praise for this man. And the Pharisees at the time get on Jesus. Hey, ain't you going to stop them folk from praising like that? And Jesus said, look here, in Luke 19 and 40, he answered them and said, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Some praise is going to go down. Now, let's dig into this a little bit more. Not only does God deserve praise, God deserves praise from you. Yeah, make this personal. He deserves praise from you. Definition of praise. Expression of approval for someone or something. Synonyms for praise. To admire. To applaud. To speak well of. To celebrate. To make much of. Let's be real. When you love somebody, praise is just your natural language about them. They always in your mouth. You always saying some good stuff about them. You can't stop talking about them when you love somebody. And for real, even if it's getting on your friend's nerves. Like, hey, can you stop already? But you don't care because you're just so in love. That praise just continues to drip off your lips. Now, this is what God deserves from you. Now, God doesn't make you guess about the fact of whether or not he wants praise. He actually commands you to do it. Let's look at Psalms 150. Let's read this together. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Do you get the point? Now, I'm going to tell you something. Praise the Lord is repeated a whole lot in that verse. But in the Bible itself, the word hallelujah, which means praise the Lord, or the literal phrase praise the Lord, is repeated in the Bible 1,758 times. I'm going to tell you what I've come to realize about God. When he keeps repeating himself, he's really making a point. Now, when he says, praise the Lord, 1,758 times, who you think he's talking to? He's talking to you. He's talking to me. Let's go to God in prayer. Hey, God, our Father, Lord, we thank you. 
God, for everything that our eyes have seen, what our ears have heard, what our brains have released, what our souls have experienced. God, thank you so much for being who you are. God, I asked that you would continue the challenges, continue the growth process. Father, we don't get stronger unless we have to lift up more weight. Father, keep us moving in the right direction. God, we know you love us. We know you always have. We know you always will. Let us return that love to you a little bit more each and every day. God, we love you. God, we thank you. God, we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Larry, put the uh, QR code up, please, Larry. Put the QR code up. Reverend Whitaker mentioned if you prayed that prayer silently, you can take your phone and take a shot of that QR code and just let us know. We want to touch you. We want to make sure you're guided in the right way. Every head bowed. God, we come, first of all, to thank you for the word that we received today. Thank you for reminding us to love you just as you loved us. Thank you for the souls that have come to a saving faith. Thank you for the ones that the Holy Spirit is still working on. We lift them up to you right now. We thank you for the preacher that you use today to help all of us praise you in a new way. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for taking care of us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. You may be